To make a donation, visit biblicallycorrectpodcast.org slash donate. And if you enjoyed this episode, please like, share, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. Can there really be different yet valid interpretations of the Bible? Welcome to the Biblically Correct Podcast. Shalom, y'all. This is the Biblically Correct Podcast, teaching biblical correctness in a biblically incorrect world. My name is Kevin Jeffrey. I'm a Jewish follower of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus, and I love teaching the scriptures. The Shema proclaims in Deuteronomy 6.4 that Adonai, our God, is one. Yeshua teaches us in Mark 3.25 that if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot be made to stand. And Paul declares in 2 Timothy 3.16 that every scripture is God-breathed. So if God is one, undivided, and the Bible is the written word of God, then why do we think that there can be more than one legitimate interpretation of the Bible? Why do we think we have the permission to disagree with one another about what the scriptures say? While the more tolerant among us don't feel that disagreements over scripture are worth the fight or effort, the reality is that we say it's okay for others to have their own interpretations because we want to have that permission for ourselves. We want to be allowed to have our own mind on what the scriptures say and how we live, and to not be challenged on it by others. Now, of course, each person can have his own interpretation, that is, give his own meaning to a scripture, based on his individual reasoning, perspective, and faith traditions. But are those interpretations valid? Think about Yeshua and when he confronted the Sadducees in Matthew twenty-two twenty-nine, saying, You go astray not knowing the scriptures. Does this not imply that the Sadducees' interpretation was invalid? Or wasn't Kepha indicating that Scripture is not open to interpretation when he said in 2 Kepha 1.20, no prophecy of the Scripture comes out of personal interpretation? Or does the Master not teach us in Matthew 5.18 that even the smallest letter and littlest mark of the Scriptures are exactly as God intended? When he said that, until the time that the heaven and the earth pass away, not one yud or one stroke will pass away from the Torah. Does God speak out of both sides of his mouth? Can the word of Adonai, the one God, mean two or three or ten different things depending on who's reading it? I mean, does the ultimate author of the Bible speak to us so unclearly that there is no fixed meaning in his words? How can we trust a Bible like that? Consider Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 1.10-17 and his exhortation for us to not have different ideas or beliefs or denominations where the good news is concerned. And I call upon you, brothers, through the name of our Master Yeshua the Messiah, that you all say the same thing, and there may not be divisions among you, and you may be perfectly united in the same mind and in the same judgment. For it was made clear to me that infightings are among you. And I say this, that each one of you says, I indeed am of Paul, and I of Apollos, and I of Kepha, and I of Messiah. But has the Messiah been divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you immersed to the name of Paul? For Messiah sent me to proclaim good news, though not in the wisdom of words, so that the execution stake of the Messiah may not be made empty. So where it comes to the good news and walking in the ways of Messiah, which require us to understand the scriptures, 
Paul is telling us to think the same things, to say the same things, and to be perfectly united in the way we see things in our judgment. Anything less than this divides us. And he says that there is only one Yeshua and one good news, and that these are not proclaimed through the wisdom of words. We make the execution stake of Messiah empty when we separate from one another, divide into denominations, and cloud the God-intended meaning of his word with our own thoughts and ideas and ways of seeing things. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4, 6, we need to learn not to go beyond what has been written. So all this ought to lead us to conclude what we should already intuitively know, that no verse or passage of scripture is open to interpretation, but that it has one and only one valid meaning, the one written into it by God. Part of the reason that believers today feel entitled to their own interpretation of Scripture is because the influence of interpretation is embedded in the DNA of our Bible translations. This is why I always say to use a translation that's as literal as possible, such as the Messianic Jewish literal translation of the New Covenant Scriptures the MJLT, which is a revised version of Young's literal translation. In the introduction to the MJLT, this is what I wrote. Young saw the necessity of a literal translation as being tied to the work of responsible translating, that is, the preservation and recommunication of only the original sense and meaning of the text. He considered any other mode of translation as needing to incorporate and impose interpretation upon the text thereby straying from the author's original message and thus exceeding the essential work of a translator. A literal translation, then, limits the understanding, interpretation, and application of the word in a profoundly healthy way, keeping the reader closer to God's word and not as easily able to wander off into the fields of his own spiritual imagination. In other words, while every translator of a foreign language necessarily performs some level of interpretation, translators who are less literal and more liberal in their translation add more of their own ideas and reasoning into the text. This is why Bible translations are often so different from one another. The differences in translations are more than in simple word choice, but in thought choice. So by the time that translation is in your hands, the translator's interpretation of the text is already coloring your understanding. We compound the problem then when instead of simply understanding the scriptures using only the available biblical data, we reinterpret it and give it a meaning beyond what it actually says. Rather than limiting our interpretation to the words on the page, we interpret it through the filter of our own emotions, experience, prejudices, agendas, and personal insights. But no matter what a Bible translator has already baked into his translation, that doesn't give us the authority to further reinterpret the word and then to define for ourselves what the scriptures mean. The opposing ways that people approach the interpretation of the Bible, then, is a lot like the opposing ways people interpret the United States Constitution. For example, on the Supreme Court, I'm sure you've heard the justices spoken of as being either conservative or liberal although they're actually, and unfortunately, on an ideological spectrum between those two points. But when we're talking about the constitutional interpretation, conservative and liberal don't mean the same thing that they mean in the political world. Very simply, the most conservative justice will interpret the Constitution as fixed. 
In other words, what the Constitution meant when it was originally written is what it still means today. But a liberal justice will consider the Constitution to be a so-called living document, meaning that the Constitution should be interpreted in the context of our constantly changing world. Now, given these definitions, which interpretation of the Constitution, conservative or liberal, is going to bring the most stability to our democratic republic? The conservative one, which says that the Constitution means what it's always said, or the liberal one, which says that the meaning of the Constitution is subject to a world that never stops changing. It's exactly the same when it comes to interpreting the Bible. Do you interpret the Bible conservatively, limiting your understanding to the plain sense of the original, unchanging, actual meaning of the biblical authors? Or do you interpret the Bible liberally, through the lens of your own sensibilities, personal preferences, and spiritual insights, or through the doctrines invented by the authors of your denomination and traditions? When it comes to the Bible, which kind of interpreter are you? Are you a conservative Bible interpreter or a liberal? So, the permission we give ourselves to stray from the written word, to elevate our reasoning and logic and spirituality, and then to infuse and impose our own meaning into the teachings of Scripture is the result of personal interpretation. This self-granted freedom to reinterpret the scriptures then is what inevitably led to the entire existence of different denominations and traditions and the widespread splintering of the body of Messiah that we see today. Take, for example, the Christian sacrament of the Lord's Supper, which connects the communion wafer and cup with the body and blood of Messiah. The idea for this Christian ritual comes from Luke twenty-two nineteen through 20 which says, And having taken matzah bread, having given thanks to God, Yeshua broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, This is my body that is being given for you. Do this to the remembrance of me. He did likewise also with the cup after the eating, saying, Drink, this cup is the new covenant in my blood that is being poured out for you. So the master is telling his disciples to eat his flesh and drink his blood, and this is what's commemorated in the Christian rite of communion. But what does this peculiar and cannibalistic command actually mean? How should we understand it? Do we interpret the master's words according to Catholic doctrine, that the substance of the communion bread and wine literally transform into the actual body and blood of Yeshua? Or maybe the Lutheran doctrine, that the actual substance of Yeshua's body and blood coexist with the untransformed bread and wine? Should we interpret it according to Calvin, who said that one does not physically eat Yeshua's body and blood, but spiritually eats it? Or perhaps the communion bread and drink are only symbolic of Yeshua's body and blood, as Zwingli teaches. Which interpretation, if any of these, is valid? Or, more to the point, how can all four of these opposing interpretations be simultaneously correct? They can't, and the men who conceived these interpretations disagreed with each of the others, all the while surely believing that God had given him the correct interpretation. When two people disagree on what the scriptures say, somebody always has to be wrong. And the dissension over communion is just one example out of hundreds. Is the Sabbath Saturday or Sunday? Have the gifts of the Spirit ceased or are they still for today? Should we understand baptism as sprinkling, pouring, or full immersion? 
Should we interpret the timing of the so-called rapture as coming pre-trib, mid-trib, pre-wrath, or post-trib? Again, which interpretation is right? They can't all be, and maybe all of them are wrong. Now, I have no doubt that every single one of these interpretations came about as the result of sincere belief or Bible reading. But the very fact that multiple interpretations exist demonstrate that all but one of them, assuming that even one of them is right, were influenced by the mishandling of Scripture and the imposing of people's ideas on the Word of God. So the closer we stick to God's written Word, and the more we accept the plain sense of the text, the less the alleged need to interpret. Of course, we have to use our brains and critical thinking skills and be taught by the Spirit in order to comprehend millennia-old God-breathed documents written in an ancient foreign language. But if we use literal Bible translations and read things in context and explain Scripture with Scripture and use Bible tools correctly and secondary sources sparingly, these practices will help to constrain our perception of what we think the Scriptures say and limit our understanding to what they actually say. And when we come up against that difficult passage that doesn't appear to have a clear meaning, there's a very valid alternative to indulging in interpretation, and that's to simply admit that we just don't know what it means. But that perceived ambiguity still doesn't give us license to treat that portion of Scripture however we choose. In fact, we might be totally wrong, and the meaning of the passage isn't unclear at all. It's just unclear to us. That difficult passage still means something that God intended it to mean, whether we understand it right now or not. But in the rare case that there really isn't enough biblical data to come to a conclusion, then we can't just speculate about it or fill in the blanks with extra biblical information or promote a supposed divine revelation about what we think God told us it means. If we can't verify and demonstrate from the text its valid interpretation, we just have to curb our curiosity and be content with not knowing for now. So, determining the meaning of a scriptural text needs to be done with as little interpretation on our part as possible. We need to stick close to what the scriptures actually say in order to determine what they truly mean. So what do we do then when we disagree with one another about what the scriptures say? Well, the first thing we have to do is humble ourselves and accept that despite any amount of knowledge or spiritual experience or even centuries of doctrine and faith traditions that support what we believe, we prideful human beings are not the arbiters of truth. God is. So it's his word, not ours, that must have the final say on all matters of biblical disagreement. And the second thing we need to do is to realize that when two of us disagree on what the scriptures mean, that we can't both be right. Because if you and I are seeing things differently, now I'm not talking about if a scripture is inspiring you or affirming you or speaking to a particular issue in your life right now that it's not currently speaking to me about. I'm talking about the fixed words on the page and doctrine and how to practically apply and live out the word. If you and I are seeing these things differently, then either I'm right, or you're right, or we're both wrong. There are no other options. So when this happens, the solution isn't infighting or division or walking away from the relationship, or worse, just agreeing to disagree, but instead, the two of us humbling ourselves 
praying together, setting aside our presuppositions and traditions, sitting down with the word and with all the tools at our disposal and working together to determine and understand the author's originally intended meaning. And I honestly believe with my whole being that because the Bible is the perfect word of God, we will come to agreement on the scriptures 100% of the time if we will put away our conjecture and preconceptions, if we'll utilize the proper approach and tools for understanding the Bible, if we open our minds and spirits to the spirit of truth and just allow God's plain and perfect word unobstructed to speak. This is the power and authority of God's word for those humble enough to receive it. 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Be diligent to bring yourself near, proven to God, a workman irreproachable, straightly cutting a path for the word of truth. When it comes to interpreting the scriptures, none of us has a monopoly on the truth. But if the truth we hold to is defined only by the written word of God, then how can we ever be wrong? The goal of reading the scriptures is not to reinforce or find support for our presuppositions, doctrines, feelings, or experiences, and especially not to see in the text what we think or want the scriptures to mean. So when we fail to grasp the author's original and intended message, then we fail to understand and rightly interpret the Word of God. A Bible that allows for multiple meanings, depending upon who's reading it, is a Bible we simply can't trust. Once we believe that any given verse or passage is open to interpretation, then the Bible becomes nothing but an accomplice to deception, misinformation, and lies. As people whose very lives depend upon the truth of God's living word, we need to not hold back from challenging our brothers and sisters in Messiah when there's misinterpretation of Scripture. But we need to do it in humility, knowing that while both of us can't be right, it's entirely possible that both of us are completely wrong. The one and only undivided God, the one Yeshua, and the one perfect word make it impossible to have different yet valid interpretations of the Bible. Every scripture has but a single legitimate interpretation, the one that was encoded and breathed into it by God. Therefore, we must restrict ourselves to what the scriptures actually say in order to finally understand what they fully and actually mean. Let's put in the honest, open-minded work to be of the same thinking, the same word, and to see scripture the same way as one another. And as we open ourselves up to be taught by the Spirit, let us also learn not to go beyond what is written. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Biblically Correct Podcast. If you like this episode and want to see us make more, then we need your help. Visit our website at biblicallycorrectpodcast.org to support the work of Perfect Word Ministries and MJMI with your much-needed donations. And of course, don't forget to like, share, comment, subscribe, and ring the bell to receive notifications whenever a new episode is posted. If you have any questions about this teaching, or if there are any other topics you'd like to see me cover, leave me a comment, or shoot me an email at kevin at perfectword.org. That's kevin at perfectword.org. Until next time, remember that every scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching, for refuting, for setting a right, and for instruction that is in righteousness, so that the man of God may be fully equipped, having been completed for every good act. Shalom.